0: Well, good morning, Liberty Plains Baptist Church. How are you guys doing today? I hope and pray you're all doing well, and uh, thank you for joining us here today. As we, uh, we are going to start a new book today, so we're going to start in the letter of Jude. Uh, so if you want to turn uh, pretty much to the end of the New Testament, it's the book right before the book of Revelation, and uh, we'll just uh, start there today. So I've been looking forward to to preaching the book of Jude uh, here at Liberty Plains. Uh, I've actually preached through this book twice before. And uh, once was actually at a fellowship Bible church there over on J Street uh, over in West Denver. And I actually preached through the book, old old 25 verses in one Sunday. And it was kind of an encapsulation of, of what Jude had written. And then actually, uh, the second time I preached through it uh, was uh, when I was an an associate pastor at Fairmount Bible Church. I actually took five Sundays throughout May, June, July, and August and uh, went through that uh, book and... That was back in 2014, so Eliza was just about to turn one, years, one, one year old and in that September. So it's, it's kind of crazy to look back and I uh, just kind of going through uh, what I had written six years ago, and uh, so I, I just kind of wanted to really talk about the person of Jude today. And uh, before we start that, let's go ahead and open with a word of prayer father god we thank you for today thank you for everything that you have given us lord and i just uh pray that you would be with us today comfort us and heal us bless us in this time of anxiety and turmoil and a, and a lot of different complicated issues going on in our nation and in our world today but lord that we would fix upon your word and that we would study it and that we would draw from historical context, that we would draw from other passages and and study this book. And as we go through it, that you would teach us, Lord, that you would purify us and make us holy, that you would show us what it means to follow you in this world that is so full of tribulation right now, that we would go forward and learn from the book of Jude. Thank you for this Tiny little book that has so much in it, and uh, Lord, just uh, bless us in our time of study, and uh, thank you for this Sunday that we can gather and gather before you and worship you in the name of Jesus. We pray, Amen. Well, the letter of Jude actually starts with Jude, so that's that's where we're going to start. Who who is Jude? Is he some guy who just happens to have a letter in the New Testament? Or is he someone that we should listen to? Because when we take a closer look at the facts we have, we see that the person of Jude and that this little letter has a lot to tell us about who Jesus is and why his impact on history is still happening today. We also come to see that it has meaning for our own lives today. Well, today I I really just wanted to paint a picture, so to say, of what we would maybe see or hear through the eyes of Jude in the first century. This is definitely a a portrait uh, based on the verses There are few that touch on Jesus's family. It is not to be really taken as fact. This is, you know, pastoral speculation, if you want to put it like that, but fiction, a historical fiction that I have, that I wrote six years ago, that I really wanted to share with you guys today. You know, and as as you see a life next to Jesus there's definitely different historical debates and arguments of who Jude was that you can go and look at but a really citing note that Jude is definitely one of the half brothers of Jesus in this story so this is the walk through a dramatic following of his life of what we, we see, and that, that hopefully this would give us and gain us insight of the life next to Jesus and also to the person of Jude. So imagine if you will you were born in a Galilean peasant home you know there's there's bread and fish and milk, but yet very little money for oneself. Your younger years are happy. Your older brother plays with you, the oldest cares for you, you know, all the older brothers play together, and, and the oldest cares for, for all of you. He reads to you. He reads story after story of, of God, of God our Father, overcoming so much for your people, the people of Israel. You learn your first words, Mama. You take your first steps. The smell of sawdust is everywhere in your small home. You take pride in knowing that your father and your older brother build most things used in the small town you live in. We are carpenters, your father tells you. Come on, say it, carpenters. You still are very new to the whole word thing. But you see how things are put together and stay together. One day, sadness enters your life as your, your daddy falls to the ground. Death is the word you hear, yet do not understand. Everyone is, is sad and crying. As you enter your teenage years, you find out that you're home. Your small town, your nation, your people are oppressed by the Romans. You hear of them nailing people to trees, of forcing all they control to pay taxes. Daily you see your older, oldest brother working, working hard to make ends meet. You hear of God the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, you hear again of the great things God has done throughout history. You hear of the creation of the heavens and the earth. You hear of man being created and God breathed out and he became a man in the image of God. You hear of the fall of man, of a a promise of a savior, of a Messiah, you hear of the promise to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. You learn of Passover. You learn of the Exodus. You hear of the judges and the prophets and the kings and rebellion against God. And you hear of judgment and exile. You see the 400 silent years. And a question comes to mind. Where is God? Why does he not answer our cries? Why doesn't he destroy the Romans? Where is his kingdom? Where is his Messiah? You you think of taking matters into your own hands, but instead the smell of sawdust and hammers and nails and wood become your life. Your brothers and you are busy, way too busy to start a war. So daily you work, daily you are heavy laden by taxes and toil. Yes, you have thought of the Messiah, but are too busy with everything else. But one day, something changes. Your oldest brother talks of doing his father's work and he leaves he leaves not of of, to go to school not for a different job but to teach to minister to the hurting to feed the poor to release the captive you're sitting here thinking we're carpenters not teachers not ministers but again work takes over Taxes must be paid. Life must go on. Then you start hearing rumors. Rumors of your oldest brother, of miracles, of his casting out of demons, of, of healing the sick, of forgiving sins, of teaching of the kingdom of God. And you think, once again, we're, we're carpenters. We're not miracle workers. Your brothers and you and your widowed mother talk little of it well this is embarrassing you might think your mother seems to remember something from the past of of 30 years ago of a birth of of miracles but you have little time to talk to her you have little time to hear you're busy building yet another table because the customers are coming tomorrow But then one day, your oldest brother and his group of followers come to town. He doesn't come to, to work in the shop or to spend time at home. He, he goes to the synagogue. He's teaching in the synagogue. Your brother's here. They drop all of their work and head off. You don't know what to think. You're just tired, tired of hammers, tired of taxes and of the Romans. Your whole family goes and tries to see him, but the crowd is too huge. You can't get through. You need to stop this. We need to stop this. He's out of his mind. Let's seize him. Your brothers gang up to get through the crowd. Word passes through the crowd that that your oldest brother's family is here, that his family is here to see him. And you hear this back, my my mothers and my brothers are those who hear the word of God and do it. Wait, what? We're carpenters. You're, you're mad you had come to see your brother to stop him, but he seems to know what you are planning. And now you have been made part of a teaching illustration. Your brothers show their true heart. He leaves us and teaches of God? What help is that when we have mouths to feed and taxes to pay and an empire ready to destroy us if the people revolt again? You all agree. You all do not believe. You see nothing in your big brother who has gone off the deep end. You go back to work. You're too Busy to think about all the rumors that are pouring in now. You busy yourself with tables, with houses in disrepair, disrepair, taxes, thinking of marriage as your mother wants grandchildren. A year down the road, your oldest brother is in the area again. Your brothers and you go to remind him, Hey, it's the, the Feast of Booths. Leave here and go to Judea. That, your, that you and your disciples may see the works you are doing. For no one works in secret if he seeks to be known openly. If you do not do these things, show, show yourself to the world. <clears throat> you all stand before him. <clears throat> and he looks over each one of you with love, with the deepest care as you saw as you grew up next to him. He answers to all of you, My time has not yet come, but your time is always here. The world cannot hate you, but it hates me because I testify about it that its works are evil. You go up to the feast. I am not going up to the feast for my time has not yet fully come. So your brothers and you all leave for the festival, leaving your oldest brother alone. This world is evil, you think. So why can't the world hate me? It it already seems to hate me. You're at a total loss with everything that has just been said. You with your brothers go up to Jerusalem to see the temple and its whole all of its glory, and you wonder, you know, what does everyone think about your family now? You hear people talking, muttering about it, saying things like, oh, he's he's a good man. Others saying, "He's he's leading the people astray. Then halfway through the feast, your oldest brother shows up out of nowhere, teaching once again. You hear the people say, how is it that this man has no learning? When has he ever studied? Your brother answers them, My teaching is not mine, but is his who sent me. If, anyone will, if anyone's will is to do God's will, he will know whether the teaching is from God or whether I am speaking of my own authority. The one who speaks in his own authority seeks his own glory. But the one who seeks the glory of him who sent him is true. And in him there is no falsehood. Has not Moses given you the law? Yet none of you keeps the law. Why do you seek to kill me? You're stunned. This is the first time you have heard your brother teach in a public forum like this. You wonder, did God, did the God of our fathers really send him? You look back to the past. Is there, is there anything that sticks out? His, his birth. Well, you don't, you, don't, you weren't there. You don't remember it. You, you've heard the stories, but you just push it back. No, it's just a crazy old story. It has nothing to do... With this but this is crazy as well. You hear the crowd answer him back. You have a demon who is seeking to kill you. Your brothers push back. We're we're going home. Let us leave before something happens. But you want to listen, you stand your ground, you hear your brother's words. He answers. I did one deed. And you all marveled at it. Moses gave you circumcision, not that it is from Moses, but from the fathers. And you circumcise a man on the Sabbath. If on the Sabbath a man receives circumcision, so that the law of Moses may not be broken, are you angry with me because on the Sabbath I made a man's whole body well? Do not judge by appearances, but judge with right judgment, Jude, Jude, come on, your brothers are leaving, and they grab your arm and they pull you from the crowd come on let's let's go. This is a waste of time. we're not wasting our time with our crazy brother. You can ply and and leave with them. you'll head home your your oldest brother's words ringing in your ears. I cannot believe this one of your brothers start he left us off he left us to go off and preach to say who sent him to sit up there and judge us i'll have nothing to do with him He stop dead in your tracks james he stops as well looking over to you what if he is from god you ask Your brother is filled with rage. You're crazy to think like that. He is a carpenter just like you and me, nothing more. He was born to a poor home just like me and you. You really don't believe he is from God, do you? Your brothers all stop and look at you. All of them waiting to forgive you, or pound you more into submission if you don't give in. You stop thinking of it. You stop even thinking of thinking about it. I don't know what came over me. I'm sorry, you say, but you don't really agree with it. You walk silently home. For the next few years, you you work. You hear rumors of healing, of gossip, of forgiveness, of the Harris, the hearsay of teachings, then one day you hear he has been crucified. He has been nailed to a tree by the Romans. And sadness yet again enters your life. Your big brother is gone. You'll never see him again. You'll never have a meal with him again. You can't show your sadness to your brothers. They'll be mad at the very thought of it. Your mother Finds your brothers and you, and she doubles over in sorrow. She cries out that she saw it all, that she saw her firstborn crucified. You cry with her and you hold her all the day long with your brothers. For three days is long, teared, filled days. You weep with despair and you mourn with her. But then rumors come again. He is risen. He is risen, you hear. Wait, what? No, no, he's dead. I've heard of many people being crucified throughout the years from different revolts. You've never heard of one coming back to life. He was beaten to death. He was nailed to a cross, and a spear was rammed, through his chest. No, my brother is dead. Leave us alone. Leave us to our mourning. But just then your mother starts telling you an old, old story of her and your dad. Of the birth of your big brother. Of how an angel of God told them who he would be. That he would be Jesus. He would be Emmanuel. Emmanuel. You don't know what to think. What if Jesus is from God? You you think back, is is there anything that keeps you from believing that, from believing in him? No, is your answer. There's nothing to keep you from believing that your brother is from God and is God and he is the Christ. And then just like that, he's in front of you. Smiling and laughing, just a little, just a chuckle maybe. Jude, my my brother, your heart is so soft. You believe without seeing. Blessed are you, for the humble will be exalted. You stand there looking at your brother and seeing where the nails went through, and you grab him and hug him. He is real. He is risen. You. T- You sing at the top of your lungs, he is risen. You and your brother and your mother learn from the, and your brothers learn from the risen Christ for 40 days. And one day you watch him being taken up to heaven and you wait for the Holy Spirit promised and you wait with your mother and your brothers in an upper room with all the rest of his followers. Ready to do the will of God. Ready to share the story of your big brother with everyone who is not too busy, and even those that are too busy and heavy laden. Now from this story, we we see the man who wrote these words in Jude one one, Jude, a servant of Jesus Christ, the brother of James to those who are called beloved in God the Father and kept for Jesus Christ Jude is the brother of Jesus and of James he writes the letter of Jude a small little one but it is packed with power with stories through the ages of God's judgment right and righteous judgment this man grew up with Jesus and became a slave. You know, we hear we hear that word slave or bond servant, and we might think of property. We hear no freedom. We think of dominion, but this is a willing bond servant. You know, and we know. That in this world and even in ourselves, that it is him or sin. You know, he doesn't come as a king of conquest, but he will one day. He comes as a loving king, calling all to come and enter his freedom willingly, to be a willing bond servant. A bondservant comes to devote himself to Jesus and to disregard his own interests. He came, Jude came to see who Jesus Christ is. Not merely a son of a carpenter, but the only begotten son of God on a mission sent to save the world. As a man, he was called out of this world and he had righteousness placed upon him by his big brother, by Jesus. He is beloved, greatly loved, dear to the heart of God, the Father, And kept by Jesus Christ. He writes to the church of the called out saints. These people that are called out by God. Set apart. Holy. Different. To be different than the world around them. Why is that? Why are we to be different? Because as a believer, we have the Holy Spirit. We are lights in the darkness, salt in the world. That we would not walk in the flesh, that we would walk in the light. That we wouldn't be busy about the tasks of the world, but that we would be busy about the tasks of God about having an intimate relationship with God, a holy and righteous relationship with Him because of the grace in Christ. You know, that we can come to His throne and that we can know that we are beloved, that we can lay down our fears and our pains and our dreams. And when life hurts and we don't understand why, we can cry to Him in Jesus, we are dear to God's heart. We are the bride that is made as white as snow. On that day, he said it is finished. That we would rest in the finished work of Christ. That we, as a church, would be kept for Christ Now, Jesus cannot lose us. Jesus holds on to us. No, we are His by the depth of His grace that is deeper than any of the darkest sins. He holds on to us. He keeps us same, safe from falsehood and harm and sin. He gives us a path, a path to walk upon now the story of Jude comes from john seven five where it says right here, for not even his brothers believed him and mark three twenty one where it says, and when he his when Jesus' family heard it they went out to seize him but they were saying he's out of his mind you know they thought Jesus was a few fries short of a happy meal or that he had been out in the sun too long they, his brothers didn't even believe in him well why is that? Well, if if one of our brothers got up today and and said I'm God and and I'd like you to believe it, and like we would think, okay, you know, time for another crazy pill or hey, prove it. You know, today we see that Jesus is more than just some guy or good teacher. He hasn't left that open to us. I'd like to read a quote from C.S. Lewis in Mere Christianity. It says this, I'm trying here to prevent anyone saying the really foolish thing that people often say about him. I am ready to accept Jesus as a great moral teacher, but I do not accept his claim to be God. That is one thing we must not say. Is a man who who A man who is merely a man and said the sort of things Jesus would say would not be a great moral teacher. He would either be a lunatic on the level with a man who says he's a poached egg or else he would be the devil of hell. You must make your choice. Either this man was and is the son of God or else he is a madman or something worse. You can shut him up for a fool, you can spit at him and kill him as a demon, or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. But let us not come with any patronizing nonsense about him being a great human teacher. He has not left that open to us. He did not intend to. You now Jesus has been... Misused and misread and misplaced for centuries by believers and non-believers. But he nonetheless wins, because he truly is God. He has proven to be the Son of God. He is above all, and he is the way, the truth and the life. And he alone is the way to the Father. Jude stopped trying to control Jesus and started his new life. And it's seen here in Acts 1.14. All these with one accord were devoting themselves to prayer together with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers. Something changed. He is sitting in the upper room with all the other followers of Jesus because he himself became a believer. This was not a club or a game night. They were devoting themselves, they were committing themselves to prayer and they were waiting upon the promise of the Holy Spirit. They were ready to act for God and they were ready to spread the word of God that the Savior had come and that salvation was in him for those that believed. So, we too can learn from Jude, from his character, and from what he has written so far. We can see, and no matter where we came from in our past, we can know that we can be beloved and treasured in Christ Jesus know, that no matter what you thought of him in the past, we can know him as Savior now. We can devote ourselves to Jesus, to be his servant, to take the time to read the Bible, to pray, to understand it, and to apply the Bible in all of our struggles before him. And we can surround ourselves with other believers, older and younger, We all need each other to stand together, to pray together, to reach a dying world for the truth of who Jesus is. Well, thanks for joining us here today. Let's just close with a word of prayer. Father God, we thank you for today. Thank you for everything that you have given us, Lord. And I just pray that you would just lead us and guide us in our lives. Help us study the Word. Help us be pierced through by it. Help us read it, understand it, and apply it, Lord. And we just thank you for everything, Jesus. And it's in your name we pray. Amen.